0: Hello, my name is Kristen Smith, and welcome to the Sight Black Women podcast. It's February, so happy Black History Month, everyone. Black History Month is a time when we, as a country, pause to reflect on the genealogy of African Americans, our historical path, our intellectual contributions, our innovations, our politics, and our concerns. For many of us, Black History Month is every month. But for others, this is the primary time of the year to take a moment to pay special attention to Black people. Here at Site Black Women, we would like to encourage all of you, those who celebrate Black History Month every day and those who are just learning, to take the time to learn about the genealogy of Black women's intellectual contributions. This month, make a special effort to engage in Black women's scholarship. We have been reflecting on and theorizing about our condition since we arrived on these shores. Indeed, this year marks the 400th anniversary of the arrival of 20 or so enslaved Indongan people to Jamestown, what many would argue is the first importation of enslaved Africans to specifically support the establishment of the colonies. Few scholars have done more to shape our understanding of Black women's intellectual history than Dr. Beverly Guy Sheftal. She writes, quote, The argument that African-American women confront both a woman question and a race problem captures the essence of Black feminist thought in the 19th century, and would reverberate among intellectuals, journalists, activists, writers, educators, artists, and community leaders both male and female, for generations. While feminist perspectives have been a persistent and important component of the African-American literary and intellectual traditions for generations, scholars have focused primarily on its racial overtones. This tendency to ignore long years of political struggle aimed at eradicating the multiple oppressions that Black women experience resulted in erroneous notions about the relevance of feminism to the Black community during the second wave of the women's movement. Rewriting Black history using gender as one category of analysis should render obsolete the notion that feminist thinking is alien to African American women or that they have been misguided imitators of white women. An analysis of the feminist activism of Black women also suggests the necessity of reconceptualizing women's issues to include poverty, racism, imperialism, lynching, welfare, economic exploitation, sterilization, abuse, decent housing, and a host of other concerns that generations of Black women foregrounded. Beverly Guy sheftall Words of Fire, 1995. In many ways, her 1995 anthology Words of Fire revolutionized our understanding of the genealogy of Black women's thought in the United States. Highlighting the intellectual work of women like Anna Julia Cooper and Maria Stewart, Dr. Guy Schefftall pushed us to recognize that Black women have always— either in written or oral form challenge the structures of power that shape our oppression. For this reason, we are elated to feature a conversation between Dr. Beverly Guy Sheftal and Site Black Women Collective member Dr. Erica Williams for this podcast episode. Dr. Erica Lorraine Williams is Associate Professor and Department Chair of the Sociology and Anthropology Department at Spelman College in Atlanta, Georgia. She has a Ph.D. and M.A. in Cultural Anthropology from Stanford University and a B.A. in Anthropology and Africana Studies from New York University. She is the author of Sex Tourism in Bahia, Ambiguous Entanglements, which was published in 2013 and which won the National Women's Studies Association University of Illinois Press first book prize in 2011. She is contributing editor to the Handbook of Latin American Studies, and she has published in Feminist Studies, Gender, Place, and Culture, the Macmillan Interdisciplinary Handbook on Gender, Love, Transatlantic Feminisms, Policing Pleasure, and Taking Risks. She is also currently working on a project on Afro-Brazilian feminist activism in Bahia, Brazil. Dr. Beverly Guy-Sheftall is founding director of the Women's Research and Resource Center, Anna Julia Cooper, professor of women's studies at Spelman College, adjunct professor at Emory University's Institute for Women's Studies, and past president of the National Women's Studies Association. At age 16, Dr. Guy-Sheftall entered Spelman College, where she majored in English and minored in secondary education. After graduating with honors, she attended Wellesley College for a fifth year of study in English, and then went on to Atlanta University to pursue a master's degree in English. Her thesis was entitled, Faulkner's Treatment of Women in His Major Novels. A year later, Dr. Guy Sheftal began her first teaching job in the Department of English at Alabama State University in Montgomery, Alabama. In 1971, she returned to her alma mater, Spelman College, and joined the English department. Dr. Guy Sheftal has a long history of researching and writing about African-American women's intellectual contributions. She co-edited the first anthology on Black women's literature, Sturdy Black Bridges, Visions of Black Women in Literature, with Roseanne P. Bell and Betty Parker Smith in 1979. In 1983, she became the founding editor of SAGE, a scholarly journal on Black women, which was devoted exclusively to the experiences of women of African descent and was published from 1983 to 1996. In 1991, she published her dissertation, Daughters of Sorrow, Attitudes Toward Black Women from 1880 to 1920, and of course, in 1995, she published her groundbreaking anthology, Words of Fire, an anthology of African-American feminist thought. Dr. Guy Sheftal's most recent publication is a co-authored monograph with Janetta B. Cole entitled Gender Talk, The Struggle for Equality in African-American Communities, published by Random House in 2003. And of course, Dr. Guy Sheftal continues to research and publish on African-American women's thought. She is currently developing an anthology of Audre Lorde's writings in collaboration with Rudolph P. Byrd and Jeanetta B. Cole through Oxford University Press. She is organizing a new edition of But Some of Us Are Brave with Stanley James and Frances Foster through Feminist Press and she is co-editing a collection of writings on the race-gender debate during the 2008 U.S. presidential election with Jeanette B. Cole via SUNY Press. Dr. Guy Sheftal is the recipient of numerous fellowships and awards, among them a National Kellogg Fellowship, a Woodrow Wilson Fellowship for Dissertations in Women's Studies, and Spellman's Presidential Faculty Award for Outstanding Scholarship. She has been involved with the National Women's Studies movement since its inception and provided leadership for the establishment of the first women's studies major at a historically Black college. Beyond the Academy, she has been involved in a number of advocacy organizations, which include the National Black Women's Health Project, the National Council for Research on Women, and the National Coalition of 100 Black Women on whose boards she has served. In her role as director of Spellman's Women's Center, she has also been involved with the development of student activism around misogynist images of Black women in hip hop, as well as a broad range of social justice issues, including reproductive rights and violence against women. And of course, last but definitely not least, she teaches women's studies courses, including feminist theory and global Black feminism. We're elated to feature Dr. Beverly Guy-Sheftall in this podcast episode. It is truly the best way to open up Black History Month 2019. We hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we have.
1: Good afternoon. My name is Erica Williams, and I'm Associate Professor of Anthropology at Spelman College.
2: And I'm Beverly Guy-Sheftall, and I direct the Women's Center and am Professor of Women's Studies also at Spelman College.
1: So I am so delighted to have you here today. Thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to us. This podcast is for the Site Black Women Collective. Um, we wanted to talk to you a little bit about... Your background and also your your experience and your relationship to the politics of citation and citing black women. So just for the listeners who may not know who you are, I don't know who wouldn't know who you are, but in addition to being director of the Women's Research and Resource Center, um, chair of Comparative Women's Studies, you have been at Spelman since 1971, mm-hmm. right? Um, you went to undergrad here at the age of 16. Um, you... Founded the Women's Research and Resource Center in 1981. Um, you've co-authored, or you've authored six anthologies and one co-authored book. You've also been past president of the National Women's Studies Association, and you were recently elected to the American Academy of Arts and Sciences in 2017. Mm-hmm. So it's such an illustrious record. Um, so my first question for you is, what does the politics of citation mean to you? Okay. Um, First of
2: all, let me just say how pleased I am that this new organization has founded and that it has the particular mission that it does, that is making visible or calling attention to sort of the erasure, in some instances, or marginalization of the um, scholarly and activist work that black women have done. And therefore, it has been necessary to, unfortunately, uh, form an organization that would... um, make visible the importance of citing black women. So the, the, I, I think it's self-evident that um, uh, people of color in general, um, black people in general, or black women very specifically, um, work frequently gets, gets alluded to and used with no uh, attribution to the work. That even sometimes takes place amazingly with something as obvious as intersectionality but sometimes particularly outside the U.S., but sometimes even within the U.S. So people are not, everybody's talking about intersectionality, uh, but um, there may not be a reference to not just Kimberly Crenshaw's work, but the long history of intersectional uh, scholarship that black women have done. And I guess another uh, example of that would be the Me Too movement, Mm -hmm. that that that, uh, mobilization was conceptualized by an African-American woman and of uh, the the um, idea got picked up by a white woman, and the person who actually coined the term's name sort of fell away. So, um, so I think that that's what that that's what uh, citing black women means, and I think it doesn't just mean calling their names. I think it also means uh, taking very seriously the uh, work that produced the um, scholarship.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a great example of the Me Too movement as well, because Tarana Burke, right, yes. was the founder, and then I remember seeing on Twitter Alyssa Milano as a celebrity picked it up, but I think initially she wasn't aware of Tarana Burke's work. That's right. But I think when she when she became aware, she did kind of correct and kind of give give um, props, if you will, to Tarana Burke. So I think there's been a corrective, but in part due to black women who to Tarana Burke mobilizing and making sure that people wouldn't forget that she had been doing that work for over a decade.
2: And Tarana uh, has recently written something that sort of says that she's not totally satisfied Mm -hmm. with the, she is happy about the sort of correction, but she's not totally happy with the way they just simply say she's responsible for the tagline, Mm
1: -hmm. not
2: responsible for the work. Okay. Okay. So I think that's a good example.
1: Yeah. So that, that goes back to your point mm-hmm. about not just citing mm-hmm. black women That's and all. just putting in a reference or mm-hmm. in-text citation, mm-hmm. but like really engaging with mm-hmm. the work that they've done. Mm-hmm. Um, so also, people may not know that you, in 1983, you became founding co-editor of SAGE, mm-hmm. a scholarly journal of black women. Um and even your dissertation work and your master's work was on Faulkner's treatment of women in his major novels mm-hmm. and your dissertation was entitled Daughters of Sorrow Attitudes Toward Black Women from eighteen eighty to nineteen twenty. So you've really been doing this work mm-hmm. for a really long time. Um, so can you talk a little bit about those early mm-hmm. your early experiences with trying to recuperate the, the work of black women? Right. So let me let me just, just say the most stunning part of, of,
2: of, of, of that is, uh, I was working on my dissertation, um, uh, PhD program in American Studies at, um, uh, Emory University, um, uh, and I was, um, this is when, uh, uh, this may be alien to you, to the audience, when you actually did work in the stacks in libraries, mm-hmm. when you actually went into the library and went through the stacks, and I was in the stacks looking for something, and I, my hand went up on the, up on the, um, uh, uh, one of the shells, and and uh, inadvertently my hand went on Anna Julia book of voice inside. I had never ever heard of Anna Julia Cooper. Uh, this was before um, Paula Giddings' book, When and Where I h- Entered, and a lot of people n- know that book and h- hear that tag of When and Where I Entered, but they don't know that it's Anna Julia mm-hmm. So I literally, as a doctoral student, I'm. Uh, you know, after having done uh, a BA, which is not surprising given when I did a BA uh, and, a, and a, a master's degree I'm in a doctoral program and I have finished all the coursework. I'm actually working on the dissertation and I bump into, literally bump into Anna Gia Cooper's A Voice on the South. I had absolutely no idea that um, uh, a black feminist intellectual theorist existed <laughs> in the world and had written a text in 1892. And so that's an example of, of the um, erasure of well, women like Andrew Cooper. I knew about Du Bois, mm-hmm. I knew about um, even the, the uh, black women um, who were in the club movement. And, uh, and I knew that that was the age of Du Bois and I knew about all kinds of intellectuals, but Andrew Cooper unfortunately had fallen off of the uh, radar. And, and 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 just imagine now, if we didn't know anna Julia Cooper, we might assume that black feminist theorizing began in the 20th century and not in the 1890s. So that's a very, very good example of, of how even black women intellectuals, who people knew in the 19th century, got erased and had to be uh, brought back in, into the fold, mainly by black feminist scholars in the in the 70s. Yeah. And it's
1: even... <laughs> my dear Zora Neale Hurston
2: as yes. well.
1: That how Alex Walker kind of exactly Exactly.
2: As late, as late as that was. mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, and, and let me let me just say too that my my first uh, publication, which is uh, when I was a untenured junior faculty member, in the English department, teaching four or five courses a semester and barely able to come up for air, <laughs>
1: uh,
2: became aware that our students were unaware of Black women writers. Uh, even even folk like Philly Sweetly and Zora N. Hurston. That would have been my situation too as a student and it was Alice's situation as a student too. And so um, Roseanne Bell was also in the English department. So we, we were really wanting to have our students be aware that there was a, a very vibrant black women's literary tradition mm-hmm. going back to the Uh, To feel it sweetly, and so, without very much knowledge of publications, how to get things published, um, we imagined this anthology called Sturdy Black Bridges: Visions of Black Women Literature, and it's hard to imagine now that that was the first anthology of black women's literature. It came out in 1979. And that again was a was an attempt that we wouldn't have used the language. That was an attempt to make visible. And and, and because because people are aware of an african American male literary tradition. Um but 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 we had somehow fallen out of that as well. That's
1: an excellent, excellent point. Um, I also noticed that a lot of your books have been anthologies. Mm-hmm. You've done a lot of collaborative writing mm-hmm. projects. Do you think that there's something to that? Like something that um, I don't know how to phrase this question, but you know, can you talk a little bit about the role that collaborative writing might play mm-hmm. in your efforts to mm-hmm. recuperate these, you know, black women legacies? You know,
2: the, the first thing that I w- would say is be, be, because I got a job uh, in 1971, not even on a tenure track, mm-hmm. uh, and not even having a PhD, I I was not socialized with certain kinds of norms. And one of the norms, for example, that one would have been socialized. Uh, and if you were on a tenure track, wanting to move through the, uh, through the tenure track thing is that you should do single author Mm texts because, um, anthologies and collaborative work, um, is, 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 is not, um, uh, privilege in the way that monographs are. So I I didn't I I was free from that kind of, of message in my head that, that that what you need to do first is um, is a single author monograph. So 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 my first project, which I couldn't imagine doing by myself uh, uh, then because I was too too inexperienced, too green, too or uh, maybe even uh, insecure in terms of how to do this. So. I, I would do what most people would do. I, I would say, colleague, uh, let's do this together because it would spread the work out. And this is particularly the case if you've got a really heavy uh, teaching load. So my first um, publication was collaborative. It was an anthology. And so I I uh, uh, got into the habit of doing collaborative work. And, and I think I was compelled more about doing that given the timing. And I'm thinking about... Much of the black women's studies work in the early years was collaborative. It was anthologies. Mm-hmm. Think about, but some of us are brave. Or think about that first uh, collection of uh, historical essays. Those, those were co-edited. So I think it was something about the sort of, of uh, beginning work in black women's studies that, that would have pushed us into collaborative work. And I found that to be more satisfying. And because I wasn't thinking about uh well, how is that gonna count in <laughs> in a, a, a tenure promotion process, it was it never it never uh, it, it never was an issue. Mm-hmm. But but it was it was I think the, 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 the way to go given the sort of embryonic and excavation work that we were trying to do in the early years.
1: I think yeah. it was really important, it's foundational. Like mm-hmm. you built you paved the way for this mm-hmm. whole field black women's studies. Um, and, it, and you
2: do it collectively.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really important. It, it makes me think, like in some ways, the today's generation of scholars coming through on tenure track are mm-hmm. being limited in some ways mm-hmm. because we're we're under these or they're mm-hmm. under these constraints of like mm-hmm. what you have to do, publish or perish, yes. and it might be prohibiting us from doing some of that field building work that might be necessary. I, I, I think in
2: some ways that might be true. I'm, I'm thinking now about it. And you could think about your Your second book has been a uh, collaborative at yeah. And you might uh, think about the difference between... Now, let me also say that work is very challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, Co-author or, or, or uh, collaborative work. It's not easy. Yeah. But I think uh, in some ways it is as satisfying if you can work through the the kinks. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And I have to also mention, so you also did Words of Fire, Mm -hmm. an anthology of African American feminist thought published in 1995. Mm -hmm. Now that is like the the black feminist Bible, right? Um, I always say how I took my first feminist theory class Mm -hmm. with you when I was on domestic exchange here. And I read that book, and, I mean, literally, I still have that copy with all these underlines and tabs, notes, and everything. And it literally was transformative. And even today, when I come across students who um, use the argument, oh, well, woman is, you know, feminism mm-hmm. doesn't talk about black women, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm a womanist. Mm-hmm. Like, have you read? <laughs> like, have you um, – that whole argument is, mm-hmm. is, doesn't have um, – there's no evidence to that argument that black feminism is not about by for right. you know black and feminism. old yeah. And in an old discourse, yeah,
2: so can you talk a little bit about yeah, that? and let me say first of all that that is still my most satisfying uh publishing project uh and 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 for the very reasons that you that, that you mentioned if it, it i i literally wanted i got so tired of hearing of uh, black folk, including women say feminism is not something that we are interested in, have had anything to do with, <laughs> uh, and so uh, I, I I wanted very much to change that narrative, and it was very easy to change the narrative. The the, the In other words, I didn't have to uh, uh, stretch. Uh, one thing I do want to share, because this is uh, the, the way serendipity works, uh, I happen to have been asked to teach a, a, a graduate course in Emory's new PhD in women's studies program, and, um, so I decided I'd teach an African American uh, feminist thought class and I didn't have any, uh, texts. <laughs> so I literally, st- I, I literally started, I had been collecting, collecting just on my own texts, never even thinking about something called Words of Fire. And so that course meant that I could gather up all of the material that I've been gathering up and use that, uh, in the course that I'm teaching. And I happen to have gotten a call from Don Davis, who was editor of New Press. That just asked me, I don't can't remember now why she called me, and she said, "Do you have anything you want to publish?" And I said, "You know, actually, I've been carrying around this (laughs) this text uh, in my office and in my class uh, for years and years." She said, "Well, do you want to publish?" And I said, "Yes." Uh, At that point, it was it was going to be two volumes because I had you know lots of stuff, and and publishers don't like two volumes. So we settled on one volume, and that means that I had to, for example, not publish uh, the one piece by a particular writer. There were certain disciplines because there was so much literary stuff. I said, okay, I won't, uh, I will not do Black feminist literary stuff. And so we ended up with that um, one volume. But it, but it is probably it it is the most satisfying to me personally, and it's also I think been the text that has. Um, Gotten rid of this myth that black women uh, have no interest in feminism, and I hope it has demonstrated, getting back to the citing black women thing, uh, that black women have been the the the, the, the most uh, cogent in their conceptualization conceptualization of feminist theorizing, and I and I think that that book uh, demonstrates that. Definitely.
1: Um. You also co-authored Gender Talk, The Struggle for Women's Equality in African-American Communities with Janetta Betch-Cole, published in 2003. And I Am Your Sister, collected collected and unpublished writings of R.G. Lord with Rudolph Byrd, Janetta Cole, um, in 2009. Also, Still Brave, The Evolution of Black Women's Studies. So you have just been busy. (laughs) And collaborated, and, and with collaborative work, which makes it easier. Yeah, yeah. So, do you want to, any any comments or
2: reflections on any of those questions? Well, things? you know, the, the one of the things that, I've, that I've, um, I that I like to think about uh, those last texts came out of friendships. Mm-hmm. So, Jeanette uh, 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 Cole and I developed a friendship by co-teaching Intro to Women's Studies at I mean, we knew each other, but and 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 it was while we were teaching that course that we said, you know, we really need to do a text, but she, we, she couldn't do it while she was president, so. A genital came out of a, a, a combination of a friendship and a collaboration in terms of teaching. And then I developed a friendship with Rudolph Bird, um, and, and he and I did traps, and then Janetta joined that friendship, and then the three of us <laughs> did uh, did Audrey Lord, and Audrey Lord was already a friend of Janetta, and that's how we got the Audrey Lord paper. So I really want to talk about the importance of, of collegiate relationships that are at their core friendships, and, and and also say too that that can be complicated because you don't want to lose friends <laughs> in the course of working on on projects. Yeah. So um, again, if, if if I look at what you describe, most of my work has been collaborative. I think I've had what words of fire, which is an anthology, and oh, in my dissertation I published. Us as a single author, and 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 right now, uh, what I'm working on is another co-author text. <laughs> so I've been, I probably have, have done more, done more collaborative work than most people in this field. Yeah.
1: Can you talk a little bit about what you're working on now? Working on
2: a working on a, a text that, that that um again, trying to do um uh resuscitation work that centers black women in the evolution of the so-called women's liberation movement between 1960 and 1980. And want to really demonstrate that black women were present and also demonstrate that the early women's movement uh, was forced to think about race. If, If you read most narratives now about the women's movement in the U.S., it'll basically say it was white, it was middle class, and that just simply was not the case. So hope, hopefully we'll we'll correct that narrative with that uh, monograph.
1: Mm-hmm. And who are you collaborating with?
2: With, with the Apology Giddings and um Sound. Okay.
1: that's really interesting what you said about friendship because it reminds me of at the National Women's Studies Association conference this past year in Atlanta. There was a I felt like there was a focus on friendship with the yeah. keynotes, um, especially the one with Elijah Nelson right. and Elizabeth Alexander. Alexander. Yeah. It was just beautiful. It was mm-hmm. so beautiful to see this, you know, to see that feature, that yeah. you know, Black women's friendship
2: and. And Barbara, I think did that uh, did that deliberately. Yeah. That was
1: really and I and you and I, we we hope that that
2: is a is a cross generational situation, mm-hmm. as well. That it, that that we keep doing that, mm-hmm. and I it, it may be the case that folks don't know this, they just don't know that the, that these are friendships. Mm-hmm. So hopefully the citing Black Women project will also, uh, you know, remind us of that as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What did, what did, what work is coming out now that you're most inspired or excited by? In terms of citing Black women or centering Black women, you know,
2: I I have I really like memoirs as a genre, which is which you know. Um, I, sh- I shouldn't say there's not any new theoretical work. There's a lot of new queer theory as it relates to Black studies, which I'm interested in. But but I'm, I'm at this point in, in my life, and maybe it's because of my own age, I'm very interested in reading how Black women have what Black women have to share with us about their personal, intimate, emotional, political lives. And uh, I think I think memoirs are very challenging genres, and I think that it's not been a, a genre that Black people generally speaking have been comfortable with and I'm not talking about all of our but uh, so I'm I'm very interested in, in 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 memoirs as a as as a genre and I find them to be very, you know, exciting, not in the not in the same way that new theory is exciting, but in the sense that I think there's a lot about us that we don't know.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I I'll just give one example. Um uh, Valerie Boyd has edited um Alice Walker's journals. And I think that, that when those, when that text comes out, people are going to be stunned at the, if what you're able to know about a person, if if their journals are published, and, and you've been keeping a journal for 40 years, and you've allowed the editor to 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 uh, you've been totally open about what can be published. <laughs> so I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to reading reading uh, Alice Walker's journals.
1: that's very brave yes <laughs> um, so I think that's
2: all of my questions do you have anything else that you would like to add or share with the listeners um, I guess the only the, 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 the only thing that, 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 that I would say and I said it in my class on Wednesday I, I, I really wish that um, this generation of folk, young folk would be as obsessed with print and obsessed with books as I was growing up as a child, to the point that uh, after my mother would make us turn the lights off in the bedroom, I would wait for a certain amount of time, and with my flashlight, get into the closet and read. <laughs> and I shared that with my students the other day. They looked at me like. <laughs> so I I I, I I I hope that people will, will um, develop the kind of love of reading that many of us did uh, earlier on. When we didn't have all of the social media. Wait, I got
1: one more question. Mm-hmm. Um, now that we're almost at winter break, mm-hmm. is there anything that you're excited to read? I have a
2: whole, I have a whole stack of, of memoirs on oh. my, on my, uh, uh, at the end of my bed, including um, some by gay black males who were writing a lot of memoirs recently. So I'm, I'm, I'm reading those, and I'm reading. Uh, I was in South Africa for a Mellon meeting a few weeks ago, and uh, I bumped into a, a person that I knew who's written uh, two feminist texts, uh, and she grew up in South Africa. I'm interested in reading her. Uh, it, it, she, she basically talks about what it means to be a feminist in South Africa, so I'm looking forward to reading her. So you see, I'm I'm, I'm really leaning toward uh, autobiographical work. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, just wanted to thank you so much for sharing your time with us. Um, I just wanted to mention for the listeners that this is a part of a new initiative by the site Black Women Collective. Um, Kristen Smith at UT Austin is the founder, and the project, um, you know, is selling T-shirts and sweatshirts with the site Black Women um, logo on it, and it's to benefit um, an independent Afro-Brazilian school in Salvador, Bahia. We also have Site Black Women, the hashtag on Twitter, and Site Black Women Sunday. So every Sunday, people get on Twitter and tweet um, different quotes or excerpts or whatever they're reading, work by black women. I've seen you've done some of that mm-hmm. on Twitter without yes. necessarily right. knowing That's that right. you were doing right. it, but That's you are contributing. Right. You know, sometimes I would retweet you and put mm-hmm. the hashtag Cite mm-hmm. black women. Mm-hmm. So I think it's been really helpful in mobilizing a community mm-hmm. on Twitter and social mm-hmm. media, and we have an Instagram presence as well. Yeah. Um, but really sharing the knowledge and starting conversations and introducing authors to people that they might not have heard of before. Um, so that's right. So so this has been around for a couple of months. Um, I think it's been around for a year. The oh, podcast yeah. is new. Okay. The, okay. Web- the podcast is still the website is, okay. Is, okay. has just launched it, like, in December. Okay. And the podcast is just launched. So everything, the podcast and the website is all new. Mm-hmm. But the project on your social media has been around right. for about a year. Now that's
2: the advantage of social That's one advantage of social media. So I like that.
1: Okay. Well, thank you so You're much welcome. for your time. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode of Sight Black Women. Follow us at Sight Black Women on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and our new website, www.sightblackwomencollective.org. And remember, it's simple. Sight Black Women. We theorize, we produce, we revolutionize the world.